1: Hi, this is Katie.
2: And this is Nathan.
1: And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. (laughs) Catherine de' Medici.
2: (coughs) Kath de' Meach.
1: Have to meet Cathy Diem. Um, so Nathan, tell us about this cocktail.
2: This cocktail is actually called a macaroon cocktail.
1: Why is it called why 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 would a macaroon be something that because we're bring into the mix here?
2: Catherine Medici actually brought a lot of cuisine to France. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the things that she brought was the macaroon co- the macaroon cookie. Excuse me. So we made a macaroon cocktail to accentuate that.
1: Macaroons are Fucking delicious. They're
2: quite possibly one of my favorite cookies.
1: And you know what else is fucking delicious? This cocktail. This
2: cocktail. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> what it is, this is an ounce and a half of vodka, half an ounce of chocolate liqueur, and half an ounce of amaretto. So, it tastes like a chocolate almond cookie candy bar. It's dangerous. Guys. It
1: tastes very good. It's is dangerous. what you need to know. So, cheers. <laughs> cheers. To Catherine de' Medici. So, she was born
2: in 1519 in Florence. She was born to the Medici family. Obviously, that's her last name. They ran Florence. Like, they they, they were
1: ran Florence. Her they, mom
2: was actually like French aristocracy. Mm-hmm. So she was from France, but he was Italian merchant, made a shitload of money. And but actually like within a month of her being born
1: both her parents were dead.
2: Dead, gone, dead. oft. And he died of syphilis or tuberculosis. He had both. Yeah. And the mom died of this tuberculosis. So they just but, said
1: tuberculosis for her, but for him they say syphilis and tuberculosis. But wouldn't they both have had syphilis? How the
2: hell would she not get syphilis? I
1: don't know. I guess they were just like, it's not ladylike for her to have syphilis. But by the so. time she was
2: born, her father was already bedridden. So he was yeah. already like on his way out. Her uh, cousin, Pope Leo, kind of knew that he was going to have to maybe step in on it. Yeah. Uh, because he was kind of the next of kin because he was a Medici as well.
1: Speaking of the Medici's, in case anybody listening to this hasn't heard of them before, let's give them a brief description of what the Medici family was meant to Italy. They, back in like the early 1400s, started a bank. And since then, they had been like the de facto rulers of Florence. And this was kind of like a new class of people. There's always been the royal class, and there's been the peasants.
2: And they basically bought their way into... (laughs) And and they bought their, and
1: that was new. <laughs> they had started this bank. They were merchants, and they basically started from the bottom. Now the huge that was like kind of a cultural phenomenon. Yeah,
2: they like uh, paid the way to be a Duke. Like, yeah, and by by the time
1: and by the time Kathy came into the play, they were Dukes and Duchesses, and so the emotions towards them were kind of a mixed bag. I don't think that people in Italy necessarily liked being ruled. The people of Florence didn't necessarily like being ruled by who they viewed as a bunch of fucking (laughs) merchants. Have you, Nathan, have you watched the Medici show on Netflix?
2: No. Can't say I have.
1: I do not like it. (laughs) I wanted to like it so bad because it's like such my...
2: Your jam. It's It's my jam. jam.
1: I wanted to like it so bad. So it's about Cosimo D'Amici and his father is played by Dustin Hoffman.
2: But you would expect it would be good. He talks like
1: this the whole time to avoid showing that he has an American accent because I guess he couldn't do a good British or uh Italian accent. The main character is played by I don't know the actor's name, Rob Stark. Handsome. Oh, very very <laughs> handsome young man. Um very miscasted. Like I don't. It doesn't work. I don't, s- work for I don't me. see any chemistry
2: between the two either.
1: Oh well, no! Th- oh, talk about chemistry. The woman that plays his wife, like they're supposed to not have a good relationship, but him and the woman that play his wife in that show is like the chemistry that you would expect from a wet towel and a pet
2: rock. That's, <laughs> like, there's that's just- harsh. That's harsh, <laughs> Katie. There, you went there.
1: It's just <laughs> nothing there. Anyway, I won't talk about that show anymore. Don't watch it.
2: Medici family had three popes.
0: Medici family, (laughs) they
1: had, they were very powerful and they had pope, papal connections. They were like running the show. So
2: basically, like Catherine Medici's life early on, everybody freaking died. It's like, if it's she like, was in your care, you're going to die. You're
1: going to die. Don't take this child in.
2: <laughs> yeah, because literally, like, she went to live with her grandmother and dead. her grandmother dead. Came in the... Came and in. Then, and then... <laughs> to uh, the care she, of the Pope, her cousin. He's dead now. <laughs> he
1: does.
2: So don't fuck with Catherine. Don't. Poor baby Catherine. I know. She got, like, she didn't have anybody to Aww, take care of her. No, she
1: actually had, like, a really fucking sad childhood. Um, when, so in 1527, so I guess she would have been about eight years old, the Medicis fall out of power in Florence. And there's just basically like this angry mob running Florence. There was a war between Italy and Spain, or Pope and King Charles of Spain. Spain was just super power hungry and they sacked Rome. And so the Pope was too busy to help with Florence. Kathy is then hopping around from convent to convent. Because the
2: Pope, obviously, that's the natural place to put her.
1: to hide her. But also, um, for her captors, that's where they were putting her sometimes. So she was... Treated well, the Pope was like, "Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm just gonna make peace with Charles." This is obviously long story short. It was much more. <laughs> yeah, it was than much this. more
2: involved than that. But he
1: was <laughs> like, "I'm gonna make peace," and then after he crowns Charles Holy Roman Empire, he's like, "Help me with Florence." Oh my god! So
2: what is the, what is appointing somebody the Holy Roman? I don't emperor. know
1: what Holy Roman Empire is. I've looked the at emperor. Empire. I don't know what the Holy Roman Empire nor the Holy Roman Emperor is. Neither one. I think it's a state of mind. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's basically like the Vatican appointing some dude to be like, hey, you got power, but power over what? I don't know. Roman Emperor. Do you
1: know that or is that your
2: guess? That's my guess. I have
1: no idea. That's
2: my guess. Like
1: I feel like every time I'm reading like a history book, I totally understand. King of France, King of Spain, King of Italy, I guess not really King of Italy, but King of England, Holy 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 Roman Roman Emperor. And I'm like. So, somebody please educate us, because we apparently have too short of attention spans to learn what that is.
2: But anyway, so, whenever Charles was marching, the people of Florence were were totally trying to find a way what to do with Catherine.
1: They were like, oh my god, the Holy Roman Emperor, whatever the fuck that is, is coming.
2: Catherine is like a bargaining chip. Yeah, they're She's like, we know chip.
1: that there's, there's now a... So, the first Medici Pope had died, but now there's a new Medici Pope. And control Pope Clement. And they're like, we know once she gets freed, she's going to be a bargaining chip. She's going to help further the Medici line. We should get rid of her. So these are some of the suggestions that the angry mob had for disposing of Catherine Medici. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Keep in mind, at this point, she's fucking Ten years old. Ten.
2: So some people suggested that she would be handed over to a mob.
1: Like just hand it over. Hey,
2: hey, we're just gonna rip her apart in pieces. You
1: know. Some suggested that she be because she was in a convent with a high wall that she was put into a basket and lowered down
2: over the wall naked. She's ten, (laughs) y'all. And some of the people in the mob. Some of them like suggested that she would be put in a brothel. So that she a wouldn't. military
1: brothel. Ugh. So, like the mob could just go and like pay to have their way with her, so that she would no longer be a marriage prospect.
2: Yeah, she'd be her virginity's oh. gone. She's now just a whore. Like that's so. She's ten years old.
1: I feel like it's a like recurring thing with royal children. They have really sad lives. <laughs> oh, but oh my god! Thank God. She is saved. Before she got saved, though, she thought, like worst case scenario. I mean, could you imagine you're a little kid thinking, hearing the angry mob screaming for you? You're thinking all these horrible things are going to happen. So she shaves her head, starts dressing like a nun. It's unclear if she actually, like, took her vows or not. It's kind of like
2: Sister Act. except in the 1500s.
1: So it was like, (laughs) so replace Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) with Catherine de' Medici. And that's what it was. She was like, you can't hurt me now. I'm a bride of Christ. Would you do that? And they were like such a Catholic country that she thought that that would save her. But luckily, Charles saved her. Oh,
2: thank you, Charlie. (laughs) Oh,
1: thank you, Charles. (laughs) And she gets sent to Rome to go live with Pope Clement VII, her Medici relative. And
2: during this time, this is whenever she really started because she's out of a convent. So she finally goes to Rome and it's like, Oh my God! The Italian Renaissance. Oh my is God! And so her mind is open, expanded. and she is just getting all she's, this knowledge. She
1: Loves the arts. She loves ballet. Still to this day, like people perform ballets that she loved. Yes. She loves opera and art, and she's just the typical Renaissance Italian.
2: Yeah. No, she totally was. And whenever she met uh, Pope Clement, he I, I, I picture this, like. Hope Clement was on the ground with his arms wide open yeah. and she's running up to him with tears in her eyes and they're both crying and oh, it was just here like this
1: I am. Open <laughs> So yeah, I definitely think the Pope was very happy to see her. I do. Happy to see that she was alive and well, but also Because
2: she was a bargaining chip. Yeah, <laughs> He started shopping around for her husbands.
1: And at first actually, they were going to marry her off to the King of Scotland. And they
2: had a fat dowry too. Like oh. it was, a lot of money was involved mm. in this.
1: <laughs> they had stacks on stacks on stacks. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to go with Scotland because Scotland, super Catholic, and obviously...
2: And Italy was super Catholic.
1: So it was going to be a really good match until the king of France stepped up and was like, hey, how about my second son?
2: And the Pope is like, yes, please. Fuck yes. Yes, please. Because they love that there's France and the Vatican are like peanut butter and jelly. No, it's like, like they everybody. They want them to be together. During
1: the Renaissance, everybody had a hard-on for France. Everybody wanted their kids to marry into the French royal family. And so he was just like, bye, Scotland. Which is funny, though. Because Catherine Medici, that, that King of Scotland that she was like slightly, they were talking about marrying her to, she ends up being that king's daughter's mother-in-law. Ooh. That was Mary, Queen of Scots.
2: Mary, Queen of Scots. Well, yeah. We're definitely going to be talking about her later. <laughs>
1: One day, for sure. But they both
2: married each other at like 14 years old. Fourteen. Henry Like 14. So they
1: marry her to um, Henry, who is the second son of... Of the king of France.
2: And he really didn't have a happy childhood either. So,
1: okay. (laughs) And and he had a
2: hard life, too. You
1: would think that the two of them would, like, be peas in a pod because of, like, the shitty childhood they had. We're like peas and carrots. Peas and carrots, again. (laughs) They were not, okay, they weren't well-suited for each other, but I do want to digress for a hot second to talk about... Henry's life, because I don't think we'll ever come back to this in any other podcast. And, and it's I think, some fucked up shit. I think it's worth noting. So when Henry, I don't know his exact age. I'm going to guess and say he was about six. His dad, Francis, it was Francis was his dad, right? Francis I. Francis I was warring with Spain, which I guess was like... The style of the day. Everybody warred with Spain.
2: They're next-door neighbors. Yeah. they got to fight.
1: So they were warring with Spain, and they Spain and France came to an agreement, and it was like, okay, to make sure France sticks to their side of the agreement, we're going to hold your oldest and your second son hostage to make sure you stick with the um, deal. So they sent him off when he's like six or whatever to Spain, and at first he stays in like a pretty l- lush, like, he was living the good life but like as a hostage. But then his dad doesn't stick to the the bargain. And so he keeps progressively going to worse and worse situations. Uh,
2: Francis the First was fucked up father. At the
1: end of the day, he was in he was in prison. I believe it was for four I don't I'm not sure if it was 4 or 6 years. It was an even number. <laughs> <laughs> he was in prison for I mean, you go through, let's say he went when he was six, whether he came out when he was 10 or 12. That's still a long time That's as a so kid. That's a long time for a little, kid. <laughs> You're a little kid. And by the end of it, he had been living in like a fucking dungeon or something. And so he didn't have a particularly happy life either. So anyway, he comes back, and when he's 14, they're like, we're going to marry you to this Italian merchant's daughter.
2: And what do they do? They get married and have a huge celebration, Medici style.
1: So it was like the style back then when two huge households came together. It was like six days of partying. They would have masquerades. They would have plays. They would have jousting, all that good stuff. So this was no exception.
2: And then, like, on their marriage night, this is why Ugh. I don't like Francis. This is why i just, Francis the this First. This
1: wasn't, let me preface it with, this wasn't uncommon.
2: But it's still weird. It's still a so King Francis is part of, like, the marriage contract or whatever. He has to watch his son and Catherine Medeach consummate their marriage.
1: Oh. Like, okay.
2: Can you imagine having sex and having your father fucking you? Want it? Like and you're
1: 14. 14 that's something. And so it's wrong. obviously <laughs> our first time definitely. Ew. So let me explain that like back then um so these huge like dynastic marriages they were basically they were business contracts. They could be null and void if the marriage was never consummated. So that really wasn't that uncommon back in the day. People would come. There were cases where, like, the whole court would come and watch and make sure it was consummated to see the fees to make sure that the contract was um, valid.
2: Now we just sign a contract. <laughs> Does
1: it make it less creepy? No. No. No, <laughs> it's still like no way.
2: And, like, her dad even quoted something, like, afterwards, and oh, he, he, like, said horrible. that
1: gross. This is so gross. when he
2: put them to bed, he said, I went to see them jousting, and indeed, each of them did joust beautifully. What, what? the fuck? What the fuck, guys? What? This is disgusting. That is so like,
1: and she was 14, so it was obviously, I mean, I don't know about him, um, but it was definitely her first time ever having sex, so to have some guy like... <laughs> Just like, oh, just ignore the guy in the room? I don't oh, really gosh. know.
2: So she's, obviously, she's finally made it to France. So finally. <laughs> and she actually does, despite all of this crap, she brings she, some class. Yeah, she brings, at first she's very well received. She brings over, like, ballet, side saddle, macaroons. macaroons. Oop, 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 hey, oop, oop. cheers. Y'all and she also delicious. brings, like... Uh, the theatrical events, ideals, like architecture. She she I mean, was
1: short, so she wore high heels at her wedding, and that's like when high heels came into fashion.
2: I want trendsetter. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: As a short girl, philia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but apparently, like okay, let's be real. She wasn't that cute. Like, she, was she was a little not frail, a little pretty. thin. She
1: had these bug eyes, which I've read was like a staple of the Medici's. They all kind of have, like, these bug eyes. Like, she wasn't super cute. And Henry...
2: Was underwhelmed. ...was
1: super (laughs) not into her. Underwhelmed, I feel like, is an understatement. (laughs) He just just wasn't that into her. It was not a love match at all. So
2: what do you do as a French king? You find a mistress.
1: Well, actually, (laughs) I don't want to spend... Too long talking about Diane de Poitiers, but I feel like she is important to bring up just to put Catherine's role at court into
0: perspective. Well, I mean,
2: and honestly, after all of this is done, like Catherine is only like I mean Diane, excuse me, is only like a, a short little portion of her life anyway.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: But Kath, um... um oh, excuse me, Diane. It confuses me because legally my first name is Catherine and my second name is Diane. I
2: know. That's why I'm <laughs> so, having problems. Too. I got a
1: little We're getting a little bit confused. But so Diane De Poitiers, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on her because I imagine if Catherine de' Medici ever acquired a time machine and came into the future and discovered podcast...
2: It would be the Katie and Nathan Massacre.
1: <laughs> learned about podcast, listen to our podcast, and learn that we talked about Diane de Poitier for a long time. She would be so upset. She'd probably come poison us or something. But <laughs> I do think it's important to like put everything in perspective. Diane de Poitier <coughs> was Henry's tutor when he was a little boy before he got sent off to go be a hostage she was the one that actually handed him off to the spanish guys and (coughs) she let him give her 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 kiss on the cheek and the whole time he was in captivity Uh, his thought about her being like diane de poitier is like the ideal woman and so,
2: little tutor fell in love with her. Fell
1: in love with her little boy crush, but then he comes back, and she becomes his mistress for the rest of her his life.
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, like...
1: And she was hot. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, she was...
2: If you look at them side by side, like, she was gorgeous. In our
1: notes, we have a picture of Kathy and Diane side by side, and She Diane, didn't stand a chance, Kathy, did not stand like a chance? Diane's, like, 20-something years older than Kathy, and still Diane is definitely... She's so beautiful.
2: And poor Catherine like they didn't have kids for like 10, ten years. years. So she obviously sitting there going what am I doing wrong? Oh, like why is would, this guy not into me? Like oh my heart just breaks for her. It breaks for
1: me so hard. The saddest thing I think is she would um so She would drill a hole. I guess they didn't have drills then. Cut a hole. I don't know. She would somehow procure a hole in the floor. (laughs) Procure. (laughs) In the floor in the room above where Henry and Diane would sleep together. And she would watch them to be like, what am I doing wrong? Hoping that she would, like, get some tips on what she could do to make her husband happy. But she said in the end she didn't learn much because... Tears blurred her vision.
2: Oh, gosh. Oh, that just, like, Kathy. breaks my heart. And then... Her brother dies. Uh, Henry's brother dies.
1: Henry's brother dies. And so now Henry is next in line.
2: And, and that's p- that was, like, unexpected, too. Oh uh, No,
1: was he died from playing tennis or something. <laughs> like, he went and played tennis and came back and got a cold and died. I don't... <laughs> How do, you, how do you
2: do that? The What's his, going on here? The history books are foggy here, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it's that time of year. And then
1: at the same time, um, Pope Clemmie dies, and he hadn't fully paid out her dowry. And
2: that's a big deal, because this dowry was large and in charge.
1: And so, she hasn't had any kids, so she's not tied there.
2: There was actually even a quote, like, some people were saying, you should just... Send her away. Mm-hmm. Send this sterile womb away. Oh, because she's not producing any kids. She's not paying her dowry. She's not. Francis, send her away.
1: Francis came af- after um Pope Clemmie died. Francis said, "This girl comes to me stark naked because she could, they they couldn't pay off the rest of her dowry uh, and she hadn't had any kids. So she like,
2: okay okay the fuck." We gotta have a baby. We
1: gotta have a baby. (laughs) So Kathy starts consulting, like, mystics and shit. And she starts taking on, like, some really, like, unorthodox pregnancy. (gasps) Unorthodox
2: is is, is another (laughs) statement.
1: (laughs) She, She takes a mixture of cow shit and ground up deer antlers.
2: Antlers? Like, what the fuck?
1: And put that wrapped up in some linen down...
2: Oh my gosh, she must have had an infection. Uh, she, oh my gosh! I don't even want to think about that. What? Uh, and then she also like drank mixtures of blood and urine oh, to try to get pregnant. Like, oh my god! She
1: went and traveled by mule because mules couldn't have couldn't produce children, and she thought that the infertility would be passed on to her.
2: Okay, there were rumors that she drank ground up. <laughs> unicorn horns unicorns <laughs> i wonder if what <laughs> was there some what, gay fellows out there with a, a special unicorn well, that they slayed what is it
1: maybe uh what what is that ocean creature um narwhal didn't they have horns or something whatever it was they ended up having doctors come out and look at them
2: Yeah, and they both said that they had slight deformities. What
1: does that mean?
2: What does that? I, I, well, okay. What does
1: that mean, Nathan? <laughs> like, I have Googled it and I've looked. Like, I've just tried to figure out because they're like okay. they both had slight deformities, and then the doctors told them what to do, and it was fixed and all. That. Like in okay. my notes, it's I- underlined exclamation. What does that mean?
2: <laughs> okay. No, I actually looked it up. Oh, thank God. And, like, there was a physician, like he, the king's physician, Henry's physician, said that he. I didn't see anything on her. Oh. So no deformities with her from what I've read, but on his end. His pee-pee hole wasn't right. So, oh. basically, the technical term was his seminal opening was deformed. So, it depended on the position that they Because he had
1: it. a bastard at this point already. Yes. So, he, he could have children. So, everybody yes. was blaming it on Kathy. But it, it was his pee-pee hole?
2: Yeah, and it was the position that he had sex with that person. That should
1: be the tagline for this episode. Pee-pee hole, question <laughs> mark?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Once again, a woman gets all the blame for being infertile. I know, I know. Or not having the but right But really, baby. it was...
1: So did that mean, like... Only certain positions were yeah so she
2: was reading up on her Kama Sutra like okay. she was I don't think that was invented at that time no, either yeah no it was, Kama it was, Sutra
1: was around by then. Was,
2: but I don't know if they actually I don't know that it was in it. practice in
1: Catholic <laughs> France but it was around um so the, so it was like. Only certain positions that they hadn't tried in the ten years were going to work for them.
2: Well, basically, and I think maybe that's why, like spying on people, and like whenever she spied, maybe that helped, or like
1: whatever happened after that. Bam, bam, bam. They had ten kids in twelve years. (laughs)
2: Like
1: Jesus, like whatever, whatever position they were doing. She was constantly in labor. Was working. (laughs) King dies, and now she's queen. Her husband didn't really allow her any power. Like, no. Like, he was kind of an asshole to her. I mean, like, not, I don't know, Like not like a total asshole, but he wasn't, he never favored her.
2: Yeah, he he would call her his regent when he left, but she had zero power. Yeah, like a lot was of... was left up to the court.
1: Like, I compare it to a similar time um, with Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, his first wife. Whenever he would leave, he would leave... Catherine as the regent, but she was, like, effectively the regent. She was actually in power. Whenever Henry would leave, he would leave Catherine de' Medici as the regent, but not really. No, like, these he other would, guys were in power. Yeah. Um, so she really didn't have any power. Um, and all the babies they had together didn't really save their relationship. Like, they didn't... He didn't love her anymore. And you know, I
2: actually heard, I hate to bring her up again, but Diane, um, she actually helped take care of the kids with her. Yeah. So that kind of gives you the dynamic of, like, she still has to support. Oh, but, like, he
1: disrespected her so much. Like, there was this one, Chateau. How do you say it, Nathan? Chateau
2: de (laughs) Chines. Let's just call it the Love Shack.
1: <laughs> the Chateau de c- ha- shit, Y'all, we have tried to pronounce this so many times. We're just going to call it the Love Shack. Chateau de Love Shack. The Love Shack. And Catherine wanted the Love Shack so bad. And she told everybody, like, I want this to be my property.
2: But what does the king do? He
1: gives it to Diane. What
2: a bitch. And I'm talking about the king, bitch.
1: Like, like, <laughs> deliberately. Like, it was such a fuck you to Catherine. And, like, he would, like,
2: even let... Diane sit on his lap. Like in court. when they had,
1: like, people, like, ambassadors from other countries in. And- like, he'd have Diane sit on his lap while he talked to other ambassadors and shit. It was fucked up. Yeah,
2: and Catherine was literally forced to pass things in court that benefited Diane. Because like if the, she
1: didn't, she looked like a catty bitch. Yeah. And, yeah,
2: and it was she would have to sit by her husband and be like, yes, uh-huh, I like her, she needs this too. And she really is just like, oh, what the hell? Because there's actually, like, this little quote session between the two of them. <laughs> this and cracks And it's me basically, like, Diane Watson and, and you know, uh, Kath Demich. That's Catherine. Kath She's in... She's She's in the library, just sitting there reading a book, and Diane's like, "What you reading, bitch?" And Katharine just literally just was like, hmm, "You know, I'm reading about the history of how whores have managed the business of kings." Mic drop. <laughs> Total fucking might drop. Oh, like, oh my god! You can tell that there's this hostility in, oh. between these two women. Like she basically just called her a whore. Oh my god! <laughs> in
1: 1559, they're like, okay, we need to start marrying these children off. Like, and
2: she marries off her daughter to the king of Spain. Uh, and they have so this
1: let's... huge wedding. Big old celebration. Big old celebration, just like when they got married, which was common in France. Two dynastic marriages happened, like countries came together. It was like a woohoo!
2: It was a feast.
1: Catherine herself was really into like the occult and like black magic, which is weird because she was also super Catholic, but whatever. She herself had had this dream of like foreboding like something bad's gonna go down. So she went to her astrologers, and they were also like, "No, something bad is going to go down." And at this time in her life, Nostradamus was in her employ,
2: and he probably said and the he same was thing.
1: like, "No, something bad's going to go
2: down." <laughs> and all the signs are saying,
1: "Oh, and something so bad
2: happened." Spoiler after alert.
1: spoiler alert, something <laughs> bad went down after the wedding and all the days of celebration. The king Henry insisted on jousting.
2: Oh why! And
1: he got a lance through the eyeball. That
2: is so punk rock. And to that is the, so it was punk rock. This is
1: the most punk rock way to die. It took him ten days
2: ten to die. Days. One
1: zero, and they didn't have like morphine back then. <laughs> nope. You didn't get a morphine drip. You just had to live it out until you died from jouster through <laughs> oh, the eye. Oh. Like when me and Nathan were first talking about, um, I was introducing him to Catherine de' Medici, and I was describing this part, and I kept saying, and he was in a joust, so he got a jouster through the eye, and Nathan was like, Do you mean a lance?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true story. True I was like, yes, story. yes,
1: that is the word. And
2: actually, did you know, like, to- whenever she died, uh, or she died, he died, whenever her hubby died, mm-hmm. she actually wore black. And right now, that seems, oh, that's normal. She wore black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back in the day, French women actually wore white whenever somebody died because it meant they were
1: powerless. Yeah,
2: they did. They were innocent. They didn't have anything, they couldn't do anything about it. But Catherine. Broke all of the rules, and she wore black, bitch. And it it actually like symbolized that she was grieving because she's wearing a color constantly for the rest of her life. For the rest of her life, (laughs) she she wore wore black. black for the rest of her life, and it it also sent the message that she had power because she's changing this trend. Yeah, like she's making it different. Obviously, after her husband dies, there's somebody else that has to come up to power who's a male. And who is it? It happens to be her oldest son, Francis.
1: But actually, the queen at the the queen consort at the time was Mary Queen of Scots. Which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, sometime. She's
2: bad and uh, bougie, but uh, she's actually a queen. I don't
1: know if she's that bad. She's kind of stupid. But anyway, we'll get to her <laughs> when we get to her. But she's a child at this time, just like her husband was a child at this time. Francis, he was all of nine? How, no, no. no, he was 15. He was, okay, so he wasn't quite a child. But he, was he was technically
2: don't... old enough to, like, run the country, but mm. he was such a mama's
1: boy. He was <laughs> such a mama's boy.
0: now live on all podcast platforms.
1: So we want to intro... A major player at this time, which is the Guise family.
2: Okay, you'll remember that name.
1: The Guise family swoops in and tries to become, like, the de facto ruler while he's too young.
2: Side note, the Guises are, like, super Catholic.
1: Super Catholic. And this is a time in France where they're having religious wars. These are, the religious wars are really starting to pick up right now. And those will plague Catherine through the rest of her life. But at this point, the geese swoop in. They want to become de facto rulers. But really, 15 at that point in time was viewed as old enough to rule on your own if you really wanted to.
2: Yeah, and actually, what's really funny is that all the documents <laughs> that were signed on his behalf, it says has his name and the queen, Lady Mother. Lady
1: Mother. not lady his, mother. Not his queen, um, <laughs> Mary, Queen of Scots. She's a lady mother. His queen... His lady mother. I just
2: want to put a crown of flowers on her head. I know. <laughs> and take a photo. <laughs> take a selfie. Could you imagine <laughs>
1: Catherine de' Medici at, like, Coachella? <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what the first thing she did in her power through Francis? What? By Diane de Poitiers.
2: By, But
1: she, like, <laughs> took all her lands from her. She kicked her to the fucking
2: her <laughs> well i mean honestly i mean i, would the same I feel <laughs> bad
1: for diane de poitier but on the same i don't feel I, I,
2: if i had a man who had a mistress i would take that bitch to the curb like the curb i
1: feel bad but i don't <laughs> well she got know, to whatever. live
2: in a palace for a while like diane did
1: whatever so, yeah. bye bitch she's gone so we're not <laughs> going to talk about her anymore
2: um, <laughs> the geese's were like really weird about protestants oh they were and, they
1: were real weird about and that catherine shit.
2: catherine in my opinion catherine tried to negotiate and play no, the two sides and try to make catholics and protestants work together and honestly that's where i think she gets her bad reputation from. Yeah. Um, is because she was trying to help both people so she was seen as a traitor
1: so she was trying to help both sides but the catholics who obviously sort of this day most french people are catholic yep so the catholics obviously write history so when it's like she was trying to make a peace between both sides they're gonna write her as she was a coward she was trying to give us over to the devil she's weak but within a year francis dies of an ear infection fucking
2: ear infection <laughs> that must have been really horrible though like if you die from an ear infection it's got to be intense i
1: have never had an ear infection in my I life have had had. i have
2: Tons of them, and they are painful as hell.
1: Don't you love living in the future where you're just like, I think I got an ear infection, and you go to the doctor, and it's like a minor inconvenience for two days and or it's something. it's <laughs> I
2: like, I, I totally could have died from ear infections back in the day. I know oh. I would have. So anyway, like, Francis dies, and her second son, obviously, because he's the second son, mm-hmm. Char- Charlie the Ninth. Charlie 9 <laughs> Let's call him Charlie Number Nine. He comes to power, and uh, the reason he's I call nine. him Charlie is because he's nine years he's old.
1: He's nine years old, and he's also... The ninth, and he, he is totally the ninth Charles, and he is also the ninth, and he cries at his coronation. Wait, wait, wait and his wait. mom has to come and like swoop in. Poor dude. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> this doesn't like set it up. Catherine mm-hmm. was in in control here.
1: So this was the point in time in Catherine's life where she had the most power of her entire life.
2: Because I think the age was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, and they had to be powerful, and but she like. Was-
1: like he, and, uh,
2: he was nine. Like
1: with Francis, like even though he gave her a little bit of power, he was still in power, and he was of age. Too. If he knew he was going to die, he could have like appointed other people to be in power for Charles, like regents or not regents. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like lord protectors oh, or yeah. whatever. But he didn't, so Catherine was just able to swoop in and be like, "I'm in control while he's in his minority,
2: and I'm going to start making the decisions." And the the boy, and did
1: she! Yes, yeah, she did. She, she ran the country. Did. And side
2: note, this country was like on the brink of war.
1: If not, art like parts of the country were already, already yet, yet. in civil war, and it South was all, side,
2: north side, west side, east side. All it fucking was the fighting. west side story, basically. <laughs> no, but
1: it was um, Catholics versus Protestants, and. And they called their Protestants Huguenots. And I don't I don't know why. Why not Huguenot? It's
2: it's, it's <laughs> I don't even know. And
1: so these are the people that you need to know, the major players.
2: So we've already talked about the Geese family. Yeah. So and they're they're, were, they're aligned with crown. They're the, the crown. major
1: Catholics. And um, so the major Catholics are the Guise family and um, the crown, the, like the already active royal family. And then the Huguenots.
2: It's going to be the Bourbon family. And they actually had, uh, take note of this name, uh, Henry Navarre. Mm-hmm. And that was one of their children. He's in and, the Bourbon
1: family. And
2: this dude named Admiral Coligny.
1: Coligny was like a super important, like, he was the leader of the Huguenots, even though he wasn't in the royal family. Keep that name in mind. He's a fucking admiral. But the Bourbons were, like, they were the next cousin. So technically... They were the next in line. They're the next in line. If everybody in the current royal family dies out, they're the next in line. And they're Protestants. Um, Charles
2: actually, like, lives out to... Be of age Old to, enough
1: to run, to run the show. But he
2: doesn't really run the show.
1: <laughs> he lets Kathy do everything for him for the rest of his life. Catherine dust off her hands, and she's like, I need to get some dynastic work here. I need to marry my kids into some like important families. Because
2: to be quite honest with you, she tried a lot of diplomatic solutions to like Protestant-Catholic, like trying to make them work together. There was actually a law that she passed where she said... Well, you can't practice Protestantism in Paris, but you can do it on the outskirts of Paris. Yeah. So she's trying to compromise, and nobody liked that. Nobody liked it. The Huguenots hated it. The Catholics hated it. So she was like, all right. She was
1: in a lose-lose situation. All right. I'm
2: just going to start marrying my babies off. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing it that way. So
1: So Charlie Nine marries um, Elizabeth of Austria.
2: They had one daughter, right? They had
1: one daughter, but, like, she died when she was, like, five. But also, at this time, like, daughters didn't matter because they couldn't inherit, which is super sexist, but whatever.
2: <laughs> didn't... Okay, so we've already talked about uh, the Francis of Spain marrying her daughter Elizabeth. Yeah. That's another marriage mm-hmm, that she arranged. Mm-hmm. She also married off... Her daughter Margot yeah. with Henry Navarre, which I told you to we take note of.
1: We'll get into that hardcore in a moment. Something I do want to talk to talk about. Her youngest son, whose name was also Francis, because she's fucking lazy, I guess. But they at the end, whenever he became um duke, they called him Hercules?
2: Yeah, that was originally what his name was. Was like Hercules Francois something or other. Oh,
1: but so after he became Duke it was they named Francois. Him. So um Francis. the youngest Francis was actually for a time being considered a marriage prospect for Elizabeth the First of England. And she only had like three serious marriage prospects, and that's one of, that was the last of hers. She was like 40 and he was like 20 and she called him her little
2: frog and I think ever since then little frog. Francis <laughs> Francis was kind of a sort of aligned with the Protestants.
0: Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: He was super into the Protestants after that cuz he thought it would get him in more crowning. power. Yeah, and yeah so yeah, yeah. that's
2: like He's now Protestant, but she's like, wait a second, I didn't mean this. But anyway, yeah. anyway.
1: It doesn't work out, though, because Elizabeth of England is smart and she decides to never marry because that's the only way a woman can be powerful back then. And we want to now talk about her daughter Margot's marriage to Henry of Navarre.
2: Okay, so this should have been perfect. On this
1: should have been perfect. Okay, perfect. so just to recap, Navarre, the family that is ruling Navarre, is like, The first cousins to the current royal family. So if all the first royal family dies out, this is who's going to step in place. And they're Protestants. And so she's like, I'm going to marry my Catholic daughter to one of their Protestant princes. And we are going to be, like, harmonizing. We're going to solve
2: all the problems.
1: Let's just talk about what happens. Picture it. Paris, 1572. So the two were married at Notre Dame. It was
2: not a love match. It was
1: they were not into each other, but they both kind of recognized this is the good thing to do for the country.
2: And of course, true the Medici way, there was a big all party. Big old and party. Per usual, these royal weddings and leaders all came to celebrate. No,
1: like so many Protestant leaders came into Paris, which was like ninety five percent Catholic. I do think this is interesting, though. So they got married outside of Notre Dame, but then she had her religious ceremony inside of Notre Dame because so she had her
2: Catholic wedding. Inside she had of Notre her Catholic
1: Dame. with her brother acting in proxy <laughs> of her husband. Like because in the,
2: in the Catholic religion, you have to be Catholic. You in have order to be Catholic,
1: Catholic to get married in a Catholic church. So
2: they set up a proxy wedding with the, the Catholic uh, brother. Like, that's oh my so gosh. crazy. Shady shit.
1: But anyway... <laughs> So the tensions in Paris were already really high. They were like in a recession. And was, here they
2: are, like throwing all these parties. Yeah, and being, like, extravagant. it was
1: like, I can't put food on the table for our, my family every night, but here's these fucking Protestants. That you're giving food to and just, like, wasting, like... And it was... It, it was it was bad news bears, right really. So, I
2: mean, this is the marriage between Margot and... To be honest, Margot wasn't actually faithful. She
1: was not in... No, she was never faithful. Actually, it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, Margot was Catherine de' Medici's least favorite child. And um, a few years before this, when Henry was still alive... Margot was having an affair with one of the Gee's sons.
2: Surprise, surprise.
1: And when her mother and father found out, they dragged her out of bed and beat her, like, beat the shit
2: out of her. (laughs) That was the time period. That was the time period. But also,
1: like, this marriage, the Pope was not cool with. He was like, I'm not going to sanction it. No. And that was such, like, that was unheard of. That was unprecedented for like, a Catholic monarchy. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and so this wedding day comes and goes, and they are partying hard. Mm-hmm. And after four days of the wedding, Colin Ye, who you remember was a Huguenot leader, was snipered. Straight snipered. up snipered. Shot from a window, and had to have his finger fucking Oh, Like, for real. And, okay, Catherine got blamed for it. She of got blamed she for it, because she was an easy target. But what... In, my opinion, in my opinion, here's my evidence. The geezers had somebody outside on their balcony. and there was
1: A smoking gun was found on their balcony, On their right?
2: balcony. And it was just so happened to be in line with shooting of this guy. And how are you going to have a gun at your house that smoke, the literal smoking gun? Literally
1: smoking gun. I don't
2: think Catherine had anything to do with it.
1: I don't think... Think Catherine had anything to do with it, but I wouldn't be super surprised to learn that she did either. But I think I I really do think from Heart of Hearts, it was the geese, because Catherine had tried for so long to bring peace between the two.
2: Yeah, and she even like went to visit him on his well, the one on deathbed but sick bed.
1: Like well, after he got shot, she showed up in tears and like offered to put prayers up for him. So, half of history looks at that like, oh, that's a grieving queen who mm-hmm. wants her country to be healed. The
2: other half of history looks at it like she was setting it up. Like, and she the was-
1: lady doth protest too much. <laughs>
2: that's exactly what it like, was. So, that night, that, the Huguenot leaders come to Kathy while she's at dinner, and they are like, we want justice. We want justice now. for the shit that
1: has happened to our leader. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. Let me talk to my son. Go away. The leaders who, like, all their counsel, which is obviously all Catholic, is like, hey, they shouldn't talk to you that way. They are They demanding. are the Protestants. They're the Protestants. They're demanding things that aren't okay. They're here. We're afraid of what's going to happen. Basically, they convinced her and Charlie 9 that if we don't, nip this in the bud, it's going to be a bigger problem. And
2: by nipping it in the bud, they're like, okay, here's this list of people that we think lead the Protestants, and let's off every single one of them. And it it said that Charlie was, like, driven to the point that he was like, fine, just do it. Just do it. His
1: quote is saying, being like, well, then so be it. Kill them, but kill them so that they cannot come back. They presented Charlie with this list, and there's been disputes. The list was maybe a dozen people. The list was maybe three dozen people. But imagine for each Protestant leader, he's got a crew, and maybe he's got 10 to 20 people in his crew. So obviously, those all have to be off, too.
2: A dozen people. So it was
1: always going to be a massacre, but I don't think anybody thought... It was going to be the massacre it turned into because it was fucking carnage. Carnage.
2: And they call it the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. This yeah. was a game changer for her. So this was and-
1: four days after that, that wedding. And it was just like... Some people say that there was 3,000 killed. Some people say there was 70,000 killed. Somewhere in there, even 3,000 people, that's a lot of fucking people killed. The very first person they go, they go to um, Colony's room and they run him through with a sword. Like he's still recovering from his shot in his arm. They run him through with a sword, throw him out a window, and he's beheaded in the streets.
2: Oh, that's extreme. No, but this dude was
1: gangster. When he realized they were coming for him, he told his squad. Save yourself if you can save yourself. Don't, I don't want anybody hanging around for me
2: because I'm gonna die.
1: And they were, and um, <laughs> one of the cronies, one of the geez's cronies that had him off, even noted, like, y'all, he died with like the most bravery I've ever seen. Anybody. Like, he looked me straight in the eye, you know what I mean? Ugh, and, like,
2: that's so extreme. And then also, another, well. It's the wedding of Henry and Margot, yeah. like shortly before that. And they and Henry is Protestant. So they they even go to Henry and they're like, Uh, sorry, we're gonna have to take you into custody. No,
1: so they go they accost Henry and his brother. We're walking to go like play tennis. Hey, we're gonna take you into custody. And they're like, What? What for? What's going on? But then they start to slaughter their crew. And one of the crew like breaks away and runs to Margot's room because she's staying with the she's staying at the Navarre household and like hides behind her and says Save me,
2: save me, save me.
1: Could you imagine just waking up and a bloody man behind you being like, save me? Be like, okay. So she (laughs) she saves this man. And that's my one thing that I'm like, maybe Catherine really didn't have anything to do with this because her daughter was staying with the Protestants. Yeah, but also, it, made sense. it was her least favorite child.
2: But at the same <laughs> so point, like, you wouldn't even do that to your least favorite child. Like, I hope. I wouldn't. I, I, Either way. Shit got out of hand.
1: Shit got <laughs> out of hand. Okay, it apparently
2: just, apparently, uh, there was actually the one of the geezers came out on the balcony and was like, it is kill the king's command, kill them all. It is the king's command, like he was preaching. If, if the for king this. said
1: kill them all, he meant kill all the people on the list. But what they took it as was kill all the Protestants. But it was
2: the geese that did it. Because yeah, that's to be honest with they you, the St. Such... Bartholomew's massacre. I think it was the geese's. Yeah, I think they orchestrated. Does, but the does whole history,
1: thing. when you Google Bartholomew Day massacre, what comes up? is Catherine de' Medici. Well, it's because it's it's, it's way
2: easier to blame on one person than it is to an entire family.
1: But anyway, people were like... I mean, like civilians. Like, I mean,
2: Normal Paris people was killed.
1: already like a pretty Catholic city, but they were just like pulling Protestants out of their house. And it didn't them, like, just like mother, daughter, stop son, in Paris. father. It didn't like,
2: stop in Paris. It like, ended like,
1: up going to all like the suburbs, like exactly. the provinces, what they called them. This lasted. So Saint Barth Bartholomew's Day is the end of August. This lasted to the end of October.
2: That's months of slaying.
1: I read somewhere, um, the massacre was not a day, it was a season, and that broke my heart.
2: They basically blamed Catherine for being, like, a puppet of the Pope and doing this massacre to further the Catholic religion. But honestly, I still think that she spent all this time in her life trying to bridge the gap. I, I don't, I don't think
1: she would Obviously, if Charlie it. Nine gave the okay to kill the people on the list, then she, she gave had the to. okay on the she people had on the list. To. But she never, for a moment, expected it would become what it became. But the Pope supposedly he did, like, a jig. He was like, yeah, France killing all the Protestants. Gonna do a dance. But either way, the Huguenot religion went down to about a quarter of what it once been. And it was a mixture of... Killings and people
2: converting. Because
1: I I don't know about you. I would have converted. I would
2: have converted too. I would have been
1: like, oh, I think. Okay, I'm Catholic now. I would have been, yeah.
2: Okay, Okay. no, cool, Uh, cool.
1: Give me a rosary. (laughs) Please, let me take some communion.
2: We never will know if she really orchestrated it or she didn't.
1: Still to this day, that is her legend. That is her, oh, don't know. We don't
2: know. know. We don't know. And and, I I mean, her reputation took a hit at that point hard hit especially like after what Charles do you think what do you
1: think though do you think she what do you think
2: i honestly don't think that she i think I don't that think she she, did either. she signed off on a couple of people i think she
1: signed off on the list I think and she thought was it would stop it, there i think
2: she was going to do it like lucrezia borgia style and mm. just like poison him and kill him and <clears throat> do that yeah. sort of like assassination in silence i don't think she realized it was going to be like this mass all of a sudden, all one, this shit happens.
1: One nasty thing that supposedly happened was um, when Henry Navarre converted, because he, he very shortly converted to Catholicism, like, during the massacre, she turned to an ambassador and laughed. Ugh. But is that real? Is that propaganda? Like, we don't know. Probably
2: both. Maybe a little bit of both.
1: Whoever knows. Ugh. So not long after that, Charlie Nine dies.
2: And okay, his Her reputation
1: last... is already slaughtered, though. And
2: his last words were,
1: my mother, mm. my mother. I guess that's kind of sweet. Mama's boy. But if I was his <laughs> wife, I'd be like,
2: fine, bitch. The next son is supposed to come up, and that's Henry III. Yeah. And he was he... elected as the king of Poland? So
1: he was the king of Poland because Poland had elected him king of Poland,
2: so he was her, he was his favorite, or he was her favorite son,
1: which I don't like. Also, I feel kind of bad. Yeah, like, if my mom was just one day like, oh, that's my favorite kid, I'd be like, oh,
2: okay, uh, fucking bitch.
1: <laughs> but, but but it was very open. Like, oh, my favorite, ki- my favorite son has well, come
2: up The kids, like she called him Sharee, which is precious eyes <laughs> that's what my, know, maybe you,
1: maybe, my mom only had three kids so maybe if she had 10 kids she would have been more picky about <laughs> right. yeah.
2: so of course like after charles dies he's like okay bye poland. bye poland bye. Coming Hello, on with France. France. i'm about to run this shit but he actually like i've read before like going to France, he's like, "I'm gonna k- take a quick detour to Venice." And so that- I looked
1: at a map, Poland <laughs> to Venice to is, is, France. Is, is, it's not like on the way. No, it's not like
2: he's kind of it. A- I'm just he's gonna just say like, you wait for me. I'll be there in a year." I'm gonna say it. Henry the Third was a diva. Diva, like he was like, "No, hold on. You want me to be king?" I'm going to go to Venice first and have a good old time. I'll be back
1: in a second. (laughs) Give me a year.
2: So, I mean, let's just say that he was honestly the only one that was of age to be No, it was the first one of her children that
1: was, like, actually old enough to be king when he came to power.
2: And, I mean, he was a little, how shall we say? um,
1: Flamboyant. A
2: little bit gay. Uh, but there were rumors of it, and there were rumors of him being, like, by. And, and there's also, like, this, maybe they were doing that to try to discredit the crown, and maybe they were trying to... No,
1: I think he was just a little bit okay. Gay. so he
2: he had, he reduced the size of the court around him, so basically, Kath de Medici, who's Catherine, is totally, like, you have to keep your council large and keep the nobility in charge. And he was
1: like, bye, bitch.
2: And he was like, nah, I'm not gonna do that.
1: Like, basically, at this point in time, um, Kathy lost all her power.
2: And she was done. Like, he
1: loved her, but he didn't trust her as an advisor. Which was stupid. Yeah.
2: And he, like, reduces the size of his court and then appoints all these, like, pretty young thing men as his, like, council. I want love P-Y-T. And so, it, it, he calls them their mignons, which is cuties. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what that meant. <laughs> like, these, men, these men are not only just like bros, they like dress in like feathered hats and lots of makeup, even like gayer than the gay, 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 gay.
1: He obviously did not produce any airs. A
2: big old goose egg on the zero oh, children. And zero at this children. point, it
1: must such, such be like, a dagger in the heart to Kathy that, like, she's had all these children and none of them have had any heirs. Not
2: a single one. And so, like, Henry is totally alienating everyone at this oh, point.
1: Oh, no. All of Frant hates Tatum, the Huguenots. The Catholics, everyone is like, this guy is weird. There was
2: like a rumor of him like dressing in a bejeweled outfit as a woman. So if you think about these religious times, this dude doesn't stand a chance. And he pissed off everybody. So now he has no heirs, no body to be around him. And now Francis, baby Francis Hercules he dies.
1: He dies. He's, he doesn't marry. And they weren't uh, the best England. of friends either.
2: They no. weren't the best of friends either. And so, so the
1: uh, Guises step in. They're of like,
2: course they were. They're would. like, you know what? Ugh.
1: If you look at the actual line of su- succession, it should go to the Bourbons. But they're Protestants, so put us in charge.
2: And what they did is they literally were like, hey, Pope, say that he's un- unfit to be the, the king because yeah. he's not Catholic. Yeah. And the Pope totally like, did. Okay. Yeah, I'm at a the pulp. I'm at
1: a the pulp. <laughs> I'll say it's okay.
2: You're not the king, Henry Navarre. <laughs> oh,
1: and like, it's, it's not, it was not a good idea. And so
2: the Guises end up like aligning with Spain. And Spain is, obviously they've always been at war. And Spain's like uber Catholic.
1: But Henry feels like, you've gone around my fucking back. But, hey, come over for dinner on Christmas Day.
2: And, I mean, Catherine even tries to negotiate and be like, hey, yo, Huguenots.
1: Oh, Catherine tries to negotiate until her face dying is day. blue. Like, literally, dying day.
2: Until her dying day. On this one, she, like, says, hey, you Huguenots, you need to get out or convert or we're going to kill you. And the geezers don't think that that's far enough. So, not only do they say that Navarre isn't fit to be king, they start to try to make Henry, and they corner him into signing a contract that puts Cardinal Bourbon, which you would think would be Protestant, but no, It's he's like, not, he's,
1: well, he's Cardinal. So of that's, the Bourbon yeah. area.
2: And he's actually super Catholic and super old. Like, he was gonna die. And so they appointed him him as the leader and then after that it would be the geese as the lieutenant general Mm -hmm. so basically the geese's were running shit
1: henry was like i just want to invite all the geese over for a christmas celebration
2: (laughs) and was it ever a celebration he
1: murdered them all
2: slayed he
1: was just like Y'all want to tell me what to do? You know, like.
2: On Christmas Day.
1: Christmas like, Day. Merry Christmas.
2: I got you a present. What is that? Oh, it's a tombstone. Your mm-hmm. dad, bitch. Mm-hmm. And so apparently, like, right before that. Catherine literally pulled herself out of her deathbed and was like, I'm gonna try to make one last deal between this Cardinal of Bourbon and my son Henry and mm. try to make a, a I don't think
1: Catherine would have ever sanctioned this kind of It it didn't no, it, no, no, no. it, it didn't
2: happen. She
1: wasn't part of the deal. No. And no, no, no. then
2: she just like she took herself off the deathbed, tried to say something, didn't work, went back, and then her final dying words were Where I can do no more. Does your heart
1: just break?
2: I think that speaks to her legacy. My
1: heart just breaks. She tried. She tried to make France a peaceful place. She adopted this place as like, this is where my children are from. This is where I live. And like, she tried. She tried to like unite. just wanted to murder each other. I mean, it was
2: called the War of Religions. Like, what could she and, do? <laughs> and she was trying to make these religions, like, bond and be together and, like, hey, guess what? You're all fucking Christian, and we all believe in the same shit. I know! So why are we fighting over this? And that's so, what I think her legacy so
1: is. So when she died, her son—is it Henry? Was Which was the son <laughs> There's, side there's that? a ton of them. Her son, Henry, who was king at the time, was in hiding because he was a cowardly folk— she died, and so she couldn't be buried in Paris like queens were usually buried. So she was buried in Beloy, I think is how you pronounce that, or how do you...
2: Beloy- uh-huh.
1: She was buried
2: somewhere else.
1: In a place that we don't know how to pronounce. And it's it's
2: miles and miles and miles away from France. And Paris, so she Paris. had like
1: a big old like royal ceremony there. <clears> the <throat> Ten years later, after her death, she was reburied in Paris. And the woman that commissioned her place to be buried was a woman named Diane. DeFrancq. Diane DeFrancq. That was Henry, her husband's only bastard child. Not with Diane de Poitiers. It was
2: with... Uh... With
1: some other woman who he just was like, you're going to name your bastard after Diane de Poitiers," I guess. And that woman had her buried. Let's talk about her family legacy. Henry III, who was like the last shining grace of his going to be the end of this family, a couple of years after she died, was attacked by like a crazy monk and killed. <sighs> like stabbed a hundred times or whatever. So then... Her daughter was married to the King of Navarre, which, so he became the King of France. And her
2: daughter is Margot.
1: Margot, who they hated each other.
2: But she was married to Henry, so they she became fucking queen. She
1: became Queen of France, but they hated each other, and she petitioned for a divorce just as much as he did. So they eventually got a divorce... So she could go live off the rest of her time in a convent, but really at that time, that just meant freedom for a woman. That meant you could do what you wanted with your life. And
2: Henry Navarre came from the Bourbon line of the family.
1: His second wife, guess what her surname is?
2: What? His second wife's
1: name was Marie de' Medici. This was another Medici. She became the Queen of France and she started the Bourbon line. Which went on until Louis
2: Sixteenth, Marie Antoinette, Yeah, that's
1: what it went on to. So, so the end of that line.
2: So. so we saw the end of the Valois family and the beginning of the bourbon.
1: That was, she had a life.
2: And I think a lot of it was forced on her with, especially like the, the obviously the St. Bartholomew's Massacre. Yeah. Like to me, that was the Guise family trying to rid the world of the Protestants to make way for their own thing
1: so that was Catherine de Medici um it was definitely our longest episode so far because she was the queen that lived the longest that we've covered and she just had a really interesting and complicated life so we hope that you enjoyed this episode please find us and follow us on all the places where you follow people We are on Facebook, Queen's Podcast. We're on Twitter, Queen's underscore podcast. Um, And you can find us on iTunes. It's smushed together, one word, Queen's Podcast. Please, if you like the show, uh, rate us. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if there's anything you want to hear, please let us know. Um, we think Boudica might be our next episode, which I'm pretty excited about. But if there's somebody out there that you just think, look, get your shit together, talk about her, let me know. Um, email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com or send us a message through our website,
0: queenspodcast.lipson.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Stuck who you here? And I'm Gabby. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.